Okay. All right, guys. Welcome back to the Run It Back podcast. Uh, I am your host, Joy, and alongside with me is always Wes. How are you doing today, Wes? Hi, Joy. Hi, Run It Back Nation. I'm ready to talk another round of F1 in the offseason. Uh, we got a lot of news this week, and I can't wait to start covering it. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, yeah, you, you pretty much hit it right on the head, Wes. We have a lot of news this week for Formula One, and uh, pretty much half of the news that we got this week was already made by Wednesday, Wednesday night. And so, uh, yeah, so let's get into the hot laps. So for 2022, the engine development freeze is approved. So pretty much no team from 2022, from the beginning of 2022 to the to 2025, the new engine regulations, um, teams are not allowed to pretty much develop the engines, right? And so pretty much it's just going to be the, the chassis that uh, they could work on although that's still also very limited but uh yeah so pretty much from here until 2022 wes uh, i predict that there's going to be this uh, arms race again for development uh but this time it's going to be more centered around the engine right i think a lot of develop uh, a lot of developers a lot of manufacturers are going to try to um t get as much time as they can to get all the performance that they can extract from their engines uh, for sure I mean when it comes to the technical aspects of it yeah it's gonna be an arms race I, I agree with you there but I think uh, the bigger story here is that in many areas Honda gets to stay yeah yeah and I, that would appease a lot of uh, Red Bull fans out there Absolutely, absolutely, and so yeah. Uh, um, although it is not going to be badge Honda, they will pretty much. It's still going to be the same engines. Um, there are some key figures within the Honda development team that are going to stay and help Red Bull engine uh, or Red, help Red Bull kind of develop the engine. Uh, although it's not going to be development as in like more power, uh, it's probably going to be development as in like trying to fit it into the chassis, um, making sure like you know everything the wear and tear of the engine isn't too bad um but yeah uh you pretty much also said it Wes. um this is coming off of red bull's need right to to pretty much have this engine freeze right because honda is leaving and they're not gonna have like it was thought to be like they're not gonna have any engines for 2022 and they were running out of time and so yeah so now Honda is allowing them to buy pretty much the engines from 2022 uh, to 2025. And so I think, you know, this is a huge win for Red Bull. But uh, Wes, let me ask you, at the beginning of this freeze, who do you think will win out of this? Uh, just the arms race, like who would you think would have the most powerful engine come 2022? Mercedes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And that's because, again, they were already the number one overall engine before the freeze. Right. And because they are number one in everything, everything is theirs to lose. Absolutely. Yeah, I completely And they've agree. already they already spent too much time uh, working towards the future anyway. Mm -hmm. So I can't see it where, where they would be a non-favorite to win out in the engine freeze. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I remember actually in 2018 when... Um, Mercedes pretty much stated that there was nothing else left to to gain 
from the V6 turbo hybrid engines. And then, you know, Ferrari, of course, they were caught cheating. Um, but it seems as though for a while, Ferrari found a way to make more powerful engines. And so Mercedes actually worked pretty much overtime throughout the offseason of 2018 to find more ways to make their engines powerful. And now, you know, as a result of Ferrari cheating, now Mercedes is just on another whole level. But um, I do... I will say I do think that the engines will be a lot closer in performance uh, come 2022. Um, like I said, like, you know, I do kind of agree that these engines are reaching their maximum potential. And I'm pretty sure the manufacturers, Honda, Renault, and Ferrari, everyone keeping up will will catch up. For sure. I mean, it would it would close the gap, right? But how much? Right. Kind of like you said earlier. Um, but, of course, just the, the way things stand, I can't see an overtake at hmm. the top. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, pretty much everyone's just fighting to whoever gets closer to Mercedes. And so, yeah. Um, I mean, hasn't it always been like that, though? It, it has. Since the V6 hybrid era? It has, yes. Uh, but, like I said, right, in the 2018 season it seems as though ferrari had the most powerful engine and so it like that prompted pretty much mercedes to kind of you know see where they can improve every uh, anywhere else so, so well yeah. for sure right and now that you now that you bring that up it kind of makes me think about i guess the philosophy of racing right that you know in in racing in general it's not always about the horsepower or the engine it's usually comes down to the driver right right because there are instances where a lesser car can beat the car that is quote-unquote meant to be perfect but it seems like because f1 is such a different kind of animal it's like okay maybe it is about the engine power and this is the case but we'll see yeah right, absolutely absolutely we'll see uh, 2022 is not that far away so we'll definitely see it soon and uh so the second biggest news uh, coming out of this week is that Formula One is considering uh, experimenting uh, with sprint races for this upcoming season. Uh, and so pretty much they out, they already named out three of the, 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 the Grand Prix that they wanted to test, it as, to test this in. It's going to be the Canadian Grand Prix, the Italian, and the Brazilian Grand Prix. Uh, no exact reason why they chose these um circuits to try and test it out um but yeah uh, i'm not sure wes uh what do you think uh, about sprint races being considered in formula one uh well it sounds like uh f1 is trying to take a lot of ideas from f2 hmm. um from what i understand this also helps with grid placement no yeah, it's going to be a little bit more chaotic towards the feature race. Right. And I don't know. I think it would shake up the midfield. Hmm. Right. But going, if you, if you do qualifying on a Friday, who has dominated Fridays uh, the past, uh, this past season? Mercedes. Uh, Botas than Lewis on a Friday. Right. So, 
say that stays the same, then generally in a race, even if you just cut the race in half, there's a good chance that the two Mercedes will still be at the front. Right. Or within the podium places. So I feel like the sprint races would help shake out, you know, the five through 20 right. slots, but maybe not one, th one through three. Right. Okay. So but it would be, a, but it would be, an, but it would be an interesting thing to watch because, um, you know, it, it, I've always wanted to see an F a shortened F1 race. Right. And, you know, not, not, not because of the video games and all that, but really, I wanted to see, because um, sometimes it can get boring, right? Mm. So it's kind of like, let's say it's a track where Mercedes dominates, and I know I'm saying Mercedes too much, then, you know, us, the casual fans, can be put out of our, out of our misery if uh, Mercedes goes out and wins that sprint race, right? Because it will be done sooner. Right, exactly. But then again, but, but then again, you would kind of want to see how Renault and Aston Martin and McLaren, all those other teams, Ferrari, how they battle at, battle it out in such a short period of time. Right, absolutely. And so the the sprint races, um, they propose that it should be one third of the race uh, length, the feature race length. Okay. And so, um, what's interesting is that the race actually tallied uh, race results if they were in sprint in the sprint races um, mm -hmm. by like like the points, right? And it turns out that like Valtteri Bottas would have been a lot closer to Lewis Hamilton for the championship. Um, but the the way that they wanted to structure uh, pretty much the race weekend is going to be qualifying in Friday, which, you know, we know Mercedes dominates. That would determine the qualifying grid of the sprint races. And in the sprint race, only the top eight teams or the top eight drivers um pretty much earn points and from the top eight then it's pretty much, i believe like it reverses so you would have lewis at p8 at the feature race so it does kind of throw a little bit of a of a spanner in the works but yeah uh, again like they need over like 30 30 approvals so the, the way that they're gonna go through this um experimental phase is that uh, they're at on the day of or on the week of the Grand Prix. They're actually gonna have the teams, the FIA and the Formula One, um, pretty much vote vote for whether they want to continue with uh, these sprint races on the week of. And there's a growing suspicion that it's a, like all the teams are not gonna vote for it because the biggest concern is happens if you crash in sprint races in sprint races and we don't have enough chassis to compete for the feature race right because there's a lot of teams like Haas who struggle with pretty much bringing an extra chassis to Grand Prix yeah no um, despite the sentiments I said earlier um, I I would think that they're gonna vote no as well right and not to go back again to the well but uh, with the data that you spread out, Joy, I didn't really think about that. I didn't really think about the Sunday portion of it, but mm. I don't think Mercedes would want to start P7, P8. No, I don't think so. Just saying. No. So it, it, it's kind of in the Red Bull uh, P5, P6. Yeah, I don't think right? so. I, I don't think they'd want that. Right. So even though chances are they might make up the positions, right? Right. But um, it wouldn't be worth it. And right, like what if they crash? What if... 
something else happens. Right. And at the same time, you kind of want to make Formula One, Formula One, right. and Formula Two, Formula Two. Right. So I think from a fan's perspective, it would look good. But if you were in the shoes of a team leader, mm. I would say no. Right. Especially when there's this cost cap budget that they're trying to enforce. Exactly. It doesn't mm-hmm. really make any sense, right? Sure. Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, that's that's one thing to look forward to. So, can, um, Canada, Italian, and the Brazilian Grand Prix, right? So, we'll, we'll see. We'll see in the future if they do approve of it. It's still in the air. It's still hanging. So, yeah. Uh, I'm excited to see where it'll go. But uh, let's go on to the third biggest news of this week. Uh, Portimao returns to the Formula One grid. Now, Portimao made its return to Formula One uh, this past season, uh, where pretty much there was a lot of action. Um, at one point, at the beginning of the race, we thought it was raining. Uh, it was raining a little bit, and Carlos Sainz pretty much took the lead, but not by merit, but by pure pace, right? And that was exciting. That was interesting. Uh, but I mean, there was also some pretty good racing in, in the midfield, right? So uh, I'm excited. And Portimao looks like a really good track. It, it looks like the drivers really enjoy it. Um, I hope that they add it into the Formula One game that's coming up. But yeah, uh, what's your reactions, uh, Wes, for the Portimao return? Before I get into it, I thought Portimao was the first time ever. No, no, no. That was. Uh... That was um, the second Italian Grand Prix. The it wasn't the entire uh, Romagna, but it was. Uh, the name. Oh, it wasn't. Is... Second race was second race was. Uh, you're talking about Mugello. Yeah, Mugello never hosted a Formula One race, but Portimao has. What year? Yeah, because Portimao was built as a Formula One track. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that it can be a it, it's gonna coast the Grand Prix right from the get go. I mean, I will double check. I will double check. But uh, go ahead, Wes. Anyhow, um, it, it's cool. I actually enjoyed watching that race when it occurred. Right. And um, yeah, no, it was kind of weird to see uh, the front row struggling with uh, tire grip. Because the track was um, track conditions weren't all that great, and somehow Carlos Sainz snuck up to P one, um, which was quite the which was quite the spectacle to see, especially if you're a McLaren fan, a uh, you know struggling McLaren fan. You had that P, uh, light of joy for a, a, a couple laps, yeah, and um, eventually, yeah, Mercedes took over and. Um, I believe it was Lewis that won that race, right? Because right? Botas made a mistake somewhere. Yes. Uh, but, um, yeah, no, I'm excited. And the thing is, uh, when they go back, uh, the drivers on the grid, most of them, with the exception of uh, Fernando Alonso, uh, would have the idea of how to get around. Right. So um, I'm excited to see how uh, how they actually run it back in Portimao. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I just pretty much checked it, Wes. Uh, you're, you are correct that this is the first time that the Portimao circuit has hosted a Formula One Grand Prix, but uh, it wasn't the first Portuguese Grand Prix. Uh, it was the first one since 1996. But yes, 
uh, the Portuguese Grand Prix was pretty much used by pretty much other racing disciplines instead of Formula One where it was pretty much built for. But yeah. Did MotoGP go there? I'm not quite sure. Exactly. Okay. So well, it's pretty uh, much it. Yeah. This fact check brought to you by yours truly, Wes Ibarra. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, yeah. Well done, Wes. Uh, and so, yeah. Um, uh, pretty much the next news that we have uh, pretty much pretty big news because it brought a lot of discussion on who should you know if there was going to be a replacement for this guy but you just mentioned him Wes Fernando Alonso um, he suffered a cycling incident um, and he got pretty banged up right uh, fractured upper jaw which is not good at all it sounds painful but yeah I, I mean the, the the preseason is about to come up. There's a lot of, you know, car reveals that are going to happen in the next month. Uh, what do you think about Wes? Do you think, I don't know, could he possibly miss races due to this injury? Before I get into that, I do want to plug something, Joey. I want to plug the No Decision podcast, which is uh, the other podcast on our network um and in oh to the no decision podcast we have a ding dong alert so <laughs> if anybody from the no decision podcast listening to run it back yes we got a ding dong alert yeah. no nobody got punched but somebody got hit using a bicycle and that yeah. is fernando alonso um i will say it hasn't come at a good time right uh to the point where he had to have emergency surgery right but i don't think he's gonna miss anything okay might he might have to do like limited minutes in the cockpit right right but i can't see him missing races mm. you know especially yeah. with the medical attention that athletes receive you know it, it's it's almost second to none right uh so and i'm sure renault or alpine has him really covered as he's probably their biggest asset right now so <laughs> Of course, I can't see him missing any races because then it would just be, it would just not be worth anyone's investment in that at that point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, you know, Fernando. And he's strong. Yeah, you know, he, Fernando. Fernando's stronger than he looks. I, I was about so to say, he, like, he'll, he, he'll make it. He, he's he's pretty tough. And so, you know, obviously, this is his return to Formula One. I don't think he wants anyone else in that seat, but him. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean. Also, I mean, it, it seems as though the the reports say that the, his injuries only are from his his jaw, but you know he also has some minor nicks here and there, but not enough to where he can't drive the car, right? And and he has a pretty much a month to 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 try and recover, but I, I'm pretty sure they would have wanted him in the office, probably like you know from this month and the next month just to make sure that everything's going smoothly. Uh, you know, we talked about the seat fitting for Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure Fernando is already seat fitted, but still, right? Like, he, you want to integrate him and your team as much as you can. For sure. Um, yeah, it does throw a wrench into Alpine's plans, but like I said, something about athlete treatment. It's it's fast, it's effective, and, they can you know... provide I, miracles. Exactly. I, I can assure you that by the time uh, Fernando comes out to do testing or whatever that scenario may be, he'll look like nothing happened. 
Absolutely, absolutely. He'll probably address the media as what accident. <laughs> right, I know, I know, I know some guys walking around with nine bullets and and fifty cent, and so we'll see. But sure. uh, <laughs> I mean, he's got one in his jaw too, so I mean. Uh, we'll see. Hey, I mean th that many, that much inflictions, and you're already a multi-millionaire. Mm. I'll take it. I'll take it. All right. <laughs> it. All right, guys. Uh, so let's go to the final news of the week. This actually came. It was quite early in the week, right, uh, Wes? It was like Monday, and so. Um, but uh, the reason why we put this so low is because I mean we we've talked about this, Wes. We think it's still going to happen. We we had no doubts that you know Mercedes were going to let go of Lewis Hamilton, especially in this this such crucial time when they could pretty much set records. They could even you know set the standard higher for for the rest of the grid. Um, and Lewis, sure. you know, who I mean, Lewis breaking Michael Schumacher's record. I don't think Mercedes would want Lewis to break it in any other car other than the Mercedes. Yeah, other than theirs, right? Right. Uh, because they're the new, uh, they're the new dynasty. Right. Right. Um, and yeah, I I had no doubts in my mind that Lewis Hamilton was going to come back. Um, I did have a gut feeling, you know, especially just by looking at age and commitments, hmm. it wasn't going to be a short term or short term, long term deal. Yeah. Um, and I'm not surprised to be honest with you. Uh, that it was only going to be for one season. I, my projection was going to be two, right, or a one plus one, meaning he'll uh, take one year for sure, hmm. and have an option. Uh -huh. And if he declines, then that that contract is void. And if he accepts, then he right. signed on for another year without any uh, extra paperwork. But yeah. um, it's from what I from what we're hearing, it's one year solid, and um, I think that can answer. Or not answer, but cause a lot of presumptions. Right. Um, I have a presumption for sure on why that why that uh, contract is for a year, mm -hmm. and that presumption is that chances are if he wins this season, that's it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Jordan actually, my Jordan, my brother actually predicts as well that this will be his final season, a winner or loss. Uh, now, I mean, if he loses the championship, it's going to be a little bit more interesting what he does next. But um, I think. Yes, if he wins this one, I think it will be also the end. Uh, I am also um, agreeing with you, Wes, that I thought this was going to be at least a two-year contract um, where he gets to kind of test out the waters uh, for the new regulation, right? Because what if Mercedes is still quite dominant um, at the beginning of the 2022 regulations? There could be more championships for him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we also bring this up because there's a pretty much a guy waiting in the wings right um for to take these the the mercedes seat um but you know i want to reassure you know all of our listeners but that lewis hamilton's contract is not the only one that only has one year right valtteri bottas only has valtteri one bottas. year yeah and it seems as though his contract is a little bit less uncertain even though he has pretty much a very similar contract to lewis it seems as though you know bottas doesn't seem like he, he's gonna be around uh much longer in that mercedes seat sure and i also want to add that uh 
it's going to be a really deep free agency class next year because, or after at the end of this season, because Checo Perez's contract would be up too with the Red Bull. Uh, and of course, you know, if you if you listen to the rumor mill, you can also link someone like George Russell to a Red Bull and mm. all those crazy ass trades and whatnot. Right. But I could also feel that with the engine freeze that we mentioned in an earlier lap, uh, Joy, that uh, chances are he could do the LeBron James or Kevin Durant. And by he, I mean Lewis Hamilton. So let me explain this to you all. Uh, LeBron James and Kevin Durant had, they're like the kings of the one plus one contract, right. literally. Meaning they'll sign the maximum amount of money they can make for a year. And then, like, they'll commit to the team for that year. And then if they if they still like what they're seeing, they'll stay around. Right. And then it'll just be one-year contracts until they decide, I'm sick of this shit. I'm out of here. <laughs> so I could, I could see Lewis doing that uh, now that the freeze is uh, pretty much in stone. Right. Like, I could see him, like, if he claims an eighth or not, uh, I could see him trying to do it again and right. do whatever it is he wants right. to do. Exactly. Or, yeah, but for me... If if he gets that eighth, I would say that's it. Cause yeah. what else? What's that, what else is there to gain? But that's just my personal opinion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I, I quite agree with uh, your claim there, Wes. I don't think Lewis ever wants to see himself or give anyone else that opportunity to beat him. And so if he retires when he's at the top, you know, this is pretty much his Rosberg moment, right? So, um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for for Lewis. Sure. And so, yeah. so yeah, uh, let's go on th- through this discussion, Wes, about the twenty twenty five engine regulations, right? Um, sure. So, the new, the current engines, um, they're pretty much a really hot take, right? It's pretty much a debate whether they actually improve Formula One or they, you know, they kind of regress por- Formula One's popularity because there's only one team that pretty much dominated it whole, I mean, which is not their fault completely. But because the engines are so powerful or, you know, they're, they're such an integral part of Formula One, um, which Mercedes proved. Wes, what do you think the new Formula One engine should be in 2025? I took some time to think about it between... Uh now and our pre-production meeting on Friday night, Joy. Mm. And it's going to be a slight revision to what I said to you behind the scenes. Okay. Um, Four-cylinder, hybrid, naturally aspirated. Ooh, okay. So no more turbos. We don't, you don't need them. Okay. To be honest with you, especially if you're going to have the electric motors in there, you don't need them. Right. right. If you think about hybrid cars on the street, like the uh, Lexus CT200 or the Toyota mm. Prius or um whatever else uh i think it's the clarity ronda mm-hmm. yeah like they're those are naturally aspirated no they don't have turbochargers and right. they already have the kick because of the battery in the car <laughs> right right well maybe not the prius i'm I, so if there's any prius owners here uh i'm sorry i the the prius doesn't suit my driving style but um yeah i mean they said lower cost engines well Four cylinders are generally lower cost than right. uh, six. Uh, they seem to be very adamant on that clean energy stuff. Well, you can still stay with the hybrids. I mean, absolutely. 
and not everybody hates them. Right. So, you know, uh, and like I said with the Turtles, you don't need them. Right. Okay? Especially when you're not, uh, especially when you're not uh, blipping <laughs> through the, thr- blipping through the corner to uh, keep the, the, engi- the, the energy um, going to right. delay the la- to prevent lag delay. Right. right. And I understand that whistle is very uh, oddly satisfying, but trust me, uh, they don't need it, especially right. w- with the power that they already well bring out. Right, Wes. Uh, so, like, just one uh, one more question. Uh, based on your prediction, do you think that it's going to be the electric power or the electric motor or the ICE that's going to have more power within that drivetrain? You know, I haven't really thought about that. Right. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind if it's either or. Okay. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, um, I quite agree with you, Wes. Um, I do think that they're probably heading towards even less cylinders, um, four cylinders, or even maybe five cylinders in line fives. Um, you know, they're probably going to be, you know, in in Formula One's agenda. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they keep the V6, the, the V6 engines. Um, I do think that uh, Formula One will... Sadly, I think they're gonna keep the the engines, the V6 engines, the V6 pretty much structure. Um, I'm pretty sure they're still gonna keep the 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 turbos, the bi turbo, um, only because I mean these, you know, they're they're gonna they're gonna ask for these turbos, right? Um, I do think that they're gonna there's gonna be a lot more power for the electric unit. I think the biggest change in these new engine regulations is the fuel that we put in them, right? I think they're going to be pretty much sustainable, right? They're going to be completely sustainable, um, zero carbons. And I think that that is quite possible, right? We spoke about this, West that um, you don't necessarily have to have a fully electric car to create zero emissions. You know, you could pretty much create fuel that's pretty sustainable, um, that doesn't have any carbon but of course there are they're going to be a lot more rare they're going to be a lot more expensive but right so that's why that's why i say low cost exactly or that's what that was the rebuttal that i'm going to have with the low cost exactly because if you're going to spend all that time looking for that fuel you might as well stick to what's already there right somewhat working right right and uh that's the standard of cars when it comes to clean air hybrid Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm not gonna mention uh, this guy's cars, but EM's cars. Yeah, that's totally different. <laughs> that's a totally different kind of conversation. But right. still, yeah, exactly. And and I do think, quite think that hybrid is the future of Formula One. I think it's gonna stay after some. Thought. It's the future of cars in general. Right. And so, like, I mean, also like Wes, like Porsche pretty much solved this problem with their LMP1 car, right? They only had a four-cylinder engine, which still produced 1,500 brake horsepower. So if Porsche can do it, I'm sure Mercedes can. I'm sure, you know, uh, Red Bull powertrains is what they're calling it, can. I'm pretty sure Renault can, and I'm pretty sure Ferrari can. Uh, And I would like to see a four-cylinder car, uh, four-cylinder engine for, for F1 um whether it's two stroke or four stroke you know two stroke is going to make a lot more noise it's just 
the technology we never really put a lot of resource into it but i mean th this is just I i'm excited right i'm excited for the new stage in formula one i can't wait for next year to see the new cars i can't wait for 2025 to, to hear the new engines to see how fast they're, uh, they are how sustainable they are but uh yeah thank you so much Wes, for for sharing your your 2020 and so yeah that's pretty much uh, all the show that we have uh thank you so much guys for for listening and drop back in on sunday to to listen to our next podcast and uh, also uh if you want to listen to a little bit more uh but in a totally different sport right boxing we also cover boxing in the no decision podcast and that's coming up next thank you guys keep it on track everyone <laughs>